1: New customers can use the code CLEAN for all twenty for twenty percent off their first order. BeautyCounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. All right, friends, now back to the show. Hi, everybody, and
0: welcome. This is episode number 174 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. I'm Melanie Avalon and I'm here with Jen Stevens. Hi, everybody. How are you today, Jen? I am fabulous. How about you? I'm sad. Oh, why are you sad? I just broke a cacti plant my mom gave me at Christmas. And actually, appropriately enough, to me, the comment that because we all got them for Christmas and mine was the only one that was still alive. And I was like, oh, it's probably because I give it red light therapy every day and feed it hydrogen water. But now it's dead. And what kind of plant was it? It was like a ghost cacti.
2: I don't know what a ghost cactus is. My favorite plant. (laughs) What is your favorite plant? Oh, it depends on what it's for. I don't have like a favorite plant, but like maybe a favorite plant for cutting or maybe a, a favorite plant for the summer. I have a lot of different favorites. I have to have like context. Favorite plant that would be sitting next to your computer. So the only kind of plant we've ever been able to keep alive is I think it's called a money tree. It sprouts. It's got like a braided trunk, and it's it like stays alive. <laughs> yeah, I looked it up. So is it re- very resilient? I take it. It appears to be because we we haven't killed it yet. You know, like I just yesterday had to take the orchid off my kitchen table where we eat. I got it for Mother's Day, and all the flowers disappeared one by one, which is probably normal. But now it just looks like a, a stick sitting on the table. So I don't
0: know. If you give them red light therapy and hydrogen water, can do wonders.
2: I'm not sure. I don't do either of those things for my plants. I do not have a green thumb. You know, Chad's the one who does all the outside gardening. But yeah, the money tree is the only one we can keep alive inside the house. So what's a ghost cactus like? You should Google it. <laughs> it's beautiful.
0: You can buy them at like Home Depot, like the assortments, but it's like a pale green color. And they often have like tones like pink to them or purple. I don't know. It was an assortment.
2: It wasn't just a ghost cactus. Okay. I just looked it up. Yep. That's not my not my favorite plant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't like it. I, I don't like it at all. <laughs> Type in ghost cacti. I'm not a huge cactus girl. So I do like a nice succulent like garden. Those are pretty.
0: Yeah. I ordered a Venus flytrap kit and I was going to try to grow it. But then, oh my goodness, it was like, you have to like once a month feed it a fly. And I was like, that is way
2: too complicated. I mean, you could probably feed it something like a piece of chicken, right? Raw chicken. It definitely said insect. And I was like, that is like very
0: complicated. (laughs) I'm not going to go like (laughs) track down
2: a bug. No, I wouldn't either. (laughs) going to catch a fly. I don't know. I don't know either. That sounds hard. Yeah. Okay. Good times. Good times. Shall we
0: shall we jump into everything for today?
2: Yes, let's get started.
0: All right. So to start things
2: off, we have a question from Bronwyn Care. I know her. Oh, okay. She's also another one of my podcast guests. She's from New Zealand, just like Graham that we talked to last time. Oh my goodness. I know. Hi Bronwyn.
0: That's a really pretty name. Large community. Do you think that's like a New Zealand name?
2: Bronwyn? I'm not sure. I think it could be maybe a
0: British name. If I ever have a daughter, I'm going to name her Bronwyn. I really like that. It's a beautiful name.
2: Yeah. So her subject
0: is a curly question. She says, hi, Jen and Melanie. Thank you so much for your hard work providing so much information for us all. Here is my question. I haven't lost any weight, measurement, or clothing size since December, so seven months now. I can easily fast 20 or 21 hours. It doesn't get challenging until I do a 40-hour fast. So therefore, I must be going into ketosis, right? So how can I not lose weight? What the heck is my body running on if it's not burning my fat? Or how is it constantly managing to replace the fat if it is burning it? I was puzzling over this today when I was breaking my fast at 20.5 hours, and I feel like it seems impossible that I'm not changing. Some background on me. I have been ifing since mid-May 2019. I lost about 26 pounds up until December. I eat almost all whole foods and low-carb in my window. The carbs I do have are fruit, starchy veg, oats, and small amounts of chocolate. I have been trying ADF schedules since mid-January with no change. I started with 4-3, but couldn't sustain it beyond two weeks. I have tried progressively less aggressive schedules, but I always need a break after two to four weeks. But if I don't do at least some ADF, I slowly gain. The signs that it's getting too much for me are shakiness and weakness, Feeling like cotton wool has been rammed tightly into my head, leading to a headache and extreme irritability. I've recently been reading about the thyroid. Thank you for having lRS on your podcast. I have bought her book. I'm pretty sure that I have some kind of thyroid problem and this is what is preventing me from losing weight. I'm currently working on finding the right help in New Zealand as my own GP will only test TSH and says I'm within range. Eye roll. But my original question, what am I running on if I'm not burning fat or how am I not losing weight if I am fat burning? Thank you. I look forward to listening to you both every week. Kind regards, Bronwyn. All right.
2: Yeah, that's a great question. And it just goes to the power of hormones and our bodies and homeostasis. Like, for example, you know, I've talked before many, many times about how I hit my goal range and I continued to lose fat for a while. And then I found a maintenance place where my body was happy and then I stayed there. Even though I continued with the same schedule, still getting into ketosis every day still fasting. I did not keep losing weight. My body was like, here's where you're going to stay. It was kind of like autopilot. Like when you set your thermostat, you know, in your house, you're like, this is the temperature that we're going to be. Your unit, your air conditioner, you know, keeps it within that range. I just thought of a great analogy for that, actually, it just popped into my head. It's actually that same analogy, but we just replaced a air conditioner unit that was on the the master bedroom side of the house. And no matter what we did, no matter what we set it on, it could only cool to a certain level. That was it. Couldn't get any lower than that. That was where it could maintain. We replaced it. Now we're finally cool again. The thermostat couldn't keep us the temperature where we wanted to be. So what is my crazy analogy saying? You know, your body is keeping you in this range for whatever reason. And just like my body has kept me in the range where it wants me to be, your body is keeping you in that range. And that's when it gets frustrating. If your body was keeping you in the range that your brain thought was like your, your emotional self, your conscious thought, hey, this is where I want to be, we wouldn't have a problem. That's our goal. We want to maintain at a range that feels good to us physically, emotionally, when we look in the mirror, when we shop for clothes. And the most frustrating thing is when your body and your brain are not agreeing. You want to get to a different weight, and I understand that. And your your body and your brain are not in agreement with that right now. And it, your thyroid could certainly be an issue. I don't have the answer. I don't know what is your secret sauce, what is going to make your body decide, you know what, we would be willing to go down some more. That's like the million-dollar question. And weight loss is really, really complicated. So just like my body has been happily maintaining at a certain range for years now, without me really having to do anything, you know, I haven't tried to lose, I haven't tried to gain, it just happens like on autopilot. Your body is autopiloting you right where you are right now. I think you're on the right track if you suspect you may have some thyroid issues, you know, start there. You've been experimenting with ADF, but without ADF, you're gaining. That's a big clue that something's going on. If you're plateaued at a certain weight while doing an eating window, you know, that's one thing. But slowly gaining is a sign that something is up. So I would keep looking into that because I know it's frustrating. Melanie, do you have anything? I just feel like I've just been rambling. I actually have a lot of thoughts, a lot of thoughts. I'm really excited because I've just been rambling like a rambler and I apologize if it didn't make any
0: sense. I liked your analogy about the thermostat. To clarify, when you pushed it, would it not go down to a lower number or would it go down to a lower number, but the air didn't change?
2: I mean, we could change the setting. Like we could say, all right, we're going to change our air conditioning setting to 68. And it would just run and run and run and run and run and never get below 75. Okay. So it would say that it was lower, but there was no change. The goal was like when you set your thermostat, your goal is to get to that lower number. But the actual unit could not get it there.
0: Yeah. The reason I'm clarifying is it's a really good analogy for TSH. Because the way mine works is like... Say it's 70 degrees and I want it to be 68. I push it and for a brief second, it says 68 because that's what I want it to be. But then it, you know, changes to what it actually is to see if it matches. Because the TSH signal in your brain is like the pituitary signal. We often test it for the thyroid and it can be calling out for your thyroid to have more thyroid hormone or less thyroid hormone, but it says nothing about what actually happens in your body, which is why that's a really good analogy. The reason I'm being so granular is because it's like when you go to your thermostat and you put 68. So you see 68. So it's like it's sending out the signal for
2: 68, but then nothing actually matches. Your goal is 68. You want it to be 68, but the machine itself cannot manage to make that happen.
0: Yeah. And like in this analogy, the machine is actually your body. And in Jen's analogy, the machine isn't the actual thermostat that you're pushing where you see the number 68, it's the air conditioning machine, (laughs) which is your body. Sorry, I'm just really trying to clarify about like for a second, do you see that number? Because that number that you're seeing that you want in theory
2: is like the pituitary TSH signal. So I was actually thinking that number was like your weight, like your goal weight is the number you're trying to set it to, but your body can't get past where it can go. Okay, yeah, so we could apply. (laughs) I was doing it for the thyroid, but yeah, you could do it for weight as well. My point was that your body has a range where it's going to be able to stay. My old air conditioner could only stay in a range. It wasn't the range I wanted, but it was the range it could stay in no matter what. It stayed there. We had to put in a new unit. Obviously, you can't put in a new body. But if there's something keeping your body in that upper range, that thermostat range, it's really hard to, to change that. And that's, that's like what I said was the million dollar question.
0: Yeah, 100%. My thoughts on it were that I feel like Bronwyn really wants fasting to be the answer here, like adjusting the fasting somehow. But I I don't think that's, well, it will be the answer in a way because it's going to determine the type of fasting that you choose to pursue. But I, I don't think fasting more is the answer, especially since, I find it really interesting that she can easily fast 20 or 21 hours. You know, like a lot of people feel like they want to keep fasting and they're white knuckling and it's not working. The fact that she can easily fast 20 or 21 hours, actually, that's really good. I would encourage you to actually keep doing that. But then for the longer fasts, I don't think they're going to be the answer because it's not. At least, what you're doing it right now with the ADF approach. Yes, it seems to help for maintaining and not gaining, which I'm going to circle back to. But I I don't think it's going to be long term the answer for your goals about losing more weight. So, well, first to address her questions, she says she does these longer fasts, and she says, "What am I running on?" You know, how can I not lose weight? (laughs) So, the question of like, "What am I running on?" If I'm not burning fat, this is actually a really good like just topic to discuss, like. What can you literally be running on it at any given time? Body fat, carbs, ketones, or you don't really run off amino acids, but you could be running off of glucose generated from protein. That would be likely body protein. So when you're fasting, we don't know what you're running on unless you are measuring with like a lumen breath device or a ketone measurer, like blood or breath. But yes, you are running something. You're probably burning fat, but you could be running on ketones, which would also be from fat. You could be running on carbs from protein, like I just said. But your second question, how am I constantly managing to replace the fat if she's burning it? I think that's a huge misconception. I was thinking about this more, actually, Jen. I had a huge epiphany. I can see, and I don't think this is necessarily the case with Bronwyn, but it was an epiphany that I wanted to share on the podcast. I actually can see a way that intermittent fasting could actually very easily lead to weight gain, by the very nature of replacing fat. This is what I was thinking: if you're doing intermittent fasting and you're burning fat and entering fat burning mode during the day, if in your eating window you are actually eating—and I'm not saying Bronwyn is doing this—but this is a rabbit hole tangent that I want to talk about. If in your eating window you are eating a lot of foods that are easily stored as fat and foods which encourage your fat cells to not easily burn fat or to be resistant to burning fat, I can actually see a situation where you could very easily, in your eating window, eat food, store it as fat, make yourselves more or less likely to burn fat, and then start it all over again and slowly gain weight with fasting or at least not lose weight. I think people think fasting is like a get out of jail free card that they won't gain weight if they do fasting every day. And I don't necessarily think that's the case. I think there's two extremes. I think there's some dietary approaches that you can do in your eating window, which will make it very, very hard to actually gain weight (laughs) just because of the The mechanisms we talked about this before. So, like, if you do extremely high carb, extremely low fat, it's very unlikely in a fasting window that you're going to gain fat from that just because of the literal mechanisms of how body fat storage is created from a meal that's high carb, very, very low fat. On the flip side, if you eat really, really low carb, it's going to be much less likely that you gain fat from that. But once the macros get mixed, there's more ease for your body to create body fat. And then on top of that, if it is a calorie surplus and it's a meal that is more likely to create body fat and it's a meal high in foods that are like refined seed oils, really refined seed oils, especially if they're combined with sugar, that's like a perfect storm of food that will easily be stored as fat. These vegetable oils I'm reading, like I said, I talked about this last week, Dr. Kate Shanahan's new book about called The Fat Bird Fix if we store them as fat, actually make ourselves resistant to burning fat so I can easily see a situation where fasting could you know, not lead to weight loss or even lead to weight gain. I'm sorry, this was such like, a long answer.
2: I've been wanting to talk about it. I was just going to say, I don't think that's Bronwyn's situation though because she's she talked about how she's eating almost all whole foods.
0: I was literally just about to say, but Bronwyn, that was a rabbit tangent that I've been wanting to talk about in podcast, and I don't actually think that's the case right here. But something else I did want to address, which I thought was really interesting, and, and it ties back all into this, I do think looking at the, like I said, not, not the fasting and maybe more the food aspect, because something, there was a huge, huge flag for me. She says that she eats almost all whole foods, which is, I, I think that's wonderful, and low carb. But then she says the carbs I do have are fruit, starchy veg, oats, and chocolate. So fruit, starchy vegetables, and oats are all typically high-carb foods. I think people get a little bit confused about carbs. Carbs are interesting. A lot of people aren't really sure. Like they qualify carbs differently, but if you're having all of your food in a meal, and if you're trying to eat low-carb specifically, so maybe it's higher in fat, and then so you think that you're doing like a low-carb approach to support healthy fat metabolism or support weight loss, but then you're adding in fruit, starchy vegetables, and oats, There's something called the Randall cycle in the body. It determines what fuels we can use at any one time. And carbs and fats, they can't really be used at the same time. So if you're eating a quote low carb meal that's higher in fat, but then you're eating fruits, starchy, vegetables, and oats, those carbs are going to basically, like it's what I said before, it's going to make it easier to gain a lot of fat and it's going to make it harder to burn fat. So something that I would encourage Bronwyn is to try is especially since you can already easily fast 20 or 21 hours. Just do a daily fast. Don't worry about ADF. Don't worry about fasting more. Keep eating your whole foods, but try looking at the macros of those foods. So on days that you want to have fruit, starchy vegetables and oats, that's great, but don't have like fatty foods with those. And on days that you want to do more low carb, actual low carb, don't add in the fruit, starchy vegetables and oats. See what can happen either actually doing low-carb or doing low-fat and their actual definitions of them. Also, checking the thyroid could be great. So hopefully you can find a practitioner that will do your testing. Yeah, so basically, I just want to address the low-carb misconception in here because I think a lot of people have that. And then the idea that how are you constantly managing to replace fat if you're burning fat? The body is really good at doing that, especially if you put in foods that are easily stored as fat. I know it's crazy, but I've really tried looking at the macros. I feel like you're so close, especially since you're already eating whole foods. But then like Jen said, hormones are also a huge things. So the thyroid, the hormones, if you're on any pharmaceutical medications, those can make it really, really hard to lose weight. So there's a
2: lot. That's a really long answer. I think the key is just that our bodies are such a puzzle sometimes. and. Sometimes we have to figure out what is going on underneath there, and that's like I said, the million dollar question. You know, it's very, very complicated. There could be so many things. Also, this has been a very stressful season. And Bronwyn, I'm sorry, I can't remember how old you are. I can't remember exactly whether you are premenopausal, perimenopausal, or postmenopausal can make a huge difference. If you're in the you know the perimenopause. You know, it's really, really difficult for women during certain hormonal changes of their lives. You know, most women gain weight during menopause based on the, you know, the hormonal changes that are going on in our bodies. We're having to work against biology there. It really makes a lot of difference in, the, in our bodies, what's going on with our female hormones, our thyroid hormones, all of it. 100%.
0: And also, Bronwyn, listen to my episode that I did with Cyrus and Robbie of Mastering Diabetes. That episode has been a game changer for so many people who have experienced things like this, at least in my Facebook group, which everybody should join. IF Biohackers. Check that out. That approach might be a game changer combined with fasting for you. I'll put a link to it in the show notes.
2: Caveat with animal protein still. I still do animal protein. So we have a question from Amy. The subject is prolong fasting mimicking diet. Hi, ladies. Thanks to the both of you, I have been successfully intermittent fasting for the past three months. I loved the Amazon Prime documentary, Fasting, and was introduced to the Prolon Fasting Mimicking Diet. I recently did the five-day protocol during my normal fasting window and actually found it to be easy and lost a few pounds. My question is, what is your opinion on doing another round in a few months as Dr. Longo recommends? I know you have said that fasts that long can actually slow your metabolism. The two of you have changed my life, and I will forever follow you wherever you go. Thank you for helping me lead my best life, Amy.
0: Aw, yay. <laughs> have you watched that documentary, Jen? Yes. Have you? I think I started it. Is it the one with Jason
2: Fung? Mm-mm. I don't think he's on there. What's the one with Jason Fung? I can't remember. This one is about longer fasts, and they have people going to fasting clinics, and it's all about the the health purposes, you know, the health benefits, you know, what longer fasts, what extended fasting can do to heal your body, and my favorite takeaway from watching it is that these longer fasts should be done under medical supervision, and the point is for healing, not like, hey, I want to lose weight really fast. I'm going to go to one of these fasting retreats and lose a whole lot of weight. That's not the point of them. The point of these extended fasts is for healing. Have you watched any of Gwyneth Paltrow's
0: show on Netflix, Goop Lab? I have not. I really like it. It's only like five or six episodes, but there's one with Wim Hof on cold therapy. She has one though on anti-aging longevity stuff and, and Walter Longo's on there. And Gwyneth Paltrow actually does Prolon. And then like two other people at her company, one does like I think vegan for like a week and then one does like something else for a week and they like measure their, their like health biomarkers from before and after. So ProLong, we haven't talked about it in a while. I actually ordered it (laughs) recently. I was super duper curious. So for listeners, it's basically, it was developed by Dr. Walter Longo, who is the head of the, the longevity gerontology section at USC And the idea is to mimic a five-day fast. So it's based on his work on fasting. And he said that ideally people would, you know, just do a five-day water fast to experience the beneficial effects, but a lot of people really can't do that. And it's not something that can, you know, easily be prescribed or something like that. So he created something called Prolon, which is actually... It's a meal kit that you do for five days and it's extremely low protein, all plant-based. And it comes with a, now I can speak from like really personal experience now, Jen, now that I ordered it, it comes with like an omega-3 supplement. It comes with like a vitamin, multivitamin supplement. It's some soups, it's some bars. It has a glycerol drink, which apparently is supposed to keep you from losing muscle. I haven't hardcore researched the science behind glycerol in in that connection, but Apparently there's some thinking there. Basically, the work that he's done, they've shown that people doing this have very similar effects to actual water fasts, except they're actually eating. And my thinking for it is that, and this is just my thinking. So, you know, I'm not actually sure, but I think it's probably the very, very low protein nature of it. It's basically, I mean, it's really, really forcing autophagy to happen. And it's interesting because it's low calorie, low protein, it's low fat. So it's mostly carbs, honestly, because it's like vegetables and it's like, well, no, actually that that's incorrect. Incorrect information. You do eat like a nut bar, a nut based bar. And this actually, this ties in really well to Bronwyn's question, talking about like, you know, what am I running on? So, because I started another group, if you're interested in measuring your fat, carb burning in your breath called Lumen Lovers, and it's for people who use a device called Lumen to determine if you're burning carbs or fat. And a, a member actually recently in there, she was doing Prolon and she was measuring her carb or fat burning with the Lumen device. And she was shocked to find that she was burning fat, even though she was eating, you know, carbs from prolon so it's really really interesting my thoughts on actual prolon is i received the kit and it was an epic fail it was a terrible fail it's like the worst fail ever fails i tried the nut bar and i was like nope this nope (laughs) because it was basically like nuts and fruit it was like the most to me hyper palatable thing ever and I was like, I can't. There's no way I can like mumble. Like, I'm going to be starving. So I decided not to do it. And I said, if I'm ever going to do it, I think I'm going to do like a DIY version where I'm just going to do soups or might just use the soups from the kit. But I think I wouldn't qualify it as intermittent fasting the way we talk about intermittent fasting. I think doing it has a lot of health benefits. I haven't seen anybody in all my research that I've done, because there's a lot of prolonged groups people talk about in my group. I haven't seen anybody say they did it really and they didn't experience beneficial effects from it. So I see it as like a biohacking tool in the toolbox. If you want to try it, a lot of people will do like DIY versions. It's not intermittent fasting. I mean, you're eating, but it does create similar cellular effects to a longer fast, I think because of being so low protein for so long. And then at the same time, getting the nutrients from the supplements and things like that. I believe he recommends doing once per month for like three months and then doing it for maintenance, like three or four times a year i'm not sure i think it's totally fine as far as slowing your metabolism make sure that you are you know not staying restricted afterwards you know going back to your normal diet your intermittent fasting it's really really important if the studies that we see on alternate day fasting just really show how super duper important it is to have those refeed up days to mitigate metabolic slowdown especially if you're doing something where it's like a 5 day thing where you probably are really Yes, you're eating, but with that low autophagy, you're probably getting into a, and you might be getting into ketosis. I think some people might, some people might not. It's just going to be really important that you are eating amply afterwards because that's when the actual like rebuilding stage is happening. So that's going to be really, really key. Jen, what are your thoughts on Prolon?
2: I've thought about this myself a lot because, you know, it comes up and I know myself. If I tried to eat little tiny amounts of food like bars and things, I would be like so much hungrier than if I were just fasting. You know, if my brain tells me that if fasting is so fabulous, I don't want to mimic it, I would like to just fast. So I would more likely do. Personally, instead of doing a five-day fasting mimicking protocol, I would do an actual fast, not for five days. I do want to say, I always clarify that if you're doing a fast beyond 72 hours, I think it's best to be under medical supervision just to be safe. And also, we're not really sure right now how extended fasting might affect immunity in regards to, for example, COVID. I don't know that I would be experimenting with really extended fasting right now.
0: Yeah, I was actually just reading that last night in Seamland's new book, which is really amazing. He has a fantastic section on fasting. He also has hands down, by the way, the best chapter I think I've read yet on plant hermetics. You know, the whole debate of like, are plants toxic or are plants healthy, like carnivore versus veganism and like the stress potential of plants. And I actually interviewed Paul Saladino this week and we, <laughs> I never... I never get feisty or, like, really into arguments on the show, like, ever. I think my listeners are going to be like, they're probably going to freak out a little bit because we got we got a little bit argumentative, which was really, really interesting. And we were texting after, and he's like, we were laughing about it because we're friends. Like, it's not meant to come off as an argument, but I'm going to have to put a disclaimer at the beginning and be like, it's okay. Like, we're friends. Don't worry about it. Why am I talking about this? Oh, Seamland. So his new book is called Stronger by Stress. It's really great. We will put a link to it in the show notes. But he actually talks about that with fasting and because I just read the immunity chapter last night, what he says about fasting is that, you know, short-term fasting, 24 hours or less, great for immunity. Longer fasts, I think the problem comes in mostly with like a lot of viruses can often hack the fasting mechanisms in the body and longer fasts, especially with viruses and stuff can actually potentially be a problem and dampen your Adequate immune response. So yeah, like Jen said, especially right now, I don't. Now it's probably not the time to be playing around with longer fasts. The weird thing is, I don't even know if I consider prolonged a longer fast. I sort of consider it like a longer.
2: To me, it's calorie restriction with low protein. I mean, we know that calorie restriction as a intervention is good for longevity. So to me, that's what the fasting mimicking diet is. It's like calorie restriction. For five days with low protein.
0: I think between the two that the low protein is really driving the majority of the benefits because it, I mean, it's so low protein. I mean, it's like forcing your body to really, really dive deep and like get protein together. And the only way, and so autophagy, I'm
2: sure, I'm sure just kind of, you know, goes through the roof. I just feel like I would be so much hungrier than on just a normal fast.
0: Well, yeah, what a lot of people do and what I would suggest for listeners is, doing it in a one meal a day type situation. So if I ever do do it, because like I said, it was an epic fail, an epic fail. But if I ever do do it, I think I will do it in like a normal one meal a day pattern. And I think I'm just going to use the soups. I'm not going to use those bars. Those bars were like, I was like, no. It Was it the ingredients on the bars that made you say no? No. I mean, it was literally the most, like I said, hyper palatable. I mean, it was nuts and fruit. So like sweet with like nuts, which are just, Like palatable. like So like once I ate it, I just wanted to eat like 50 million more. I was like, this
2: is not. Like, I think that's how it would make me feel too. It would like open up the floodgates of now I would like to eat a giant meal. It feels like to me it would be harder. Again, I haven't tried it. So yeah. But you know, Amy said she found it to be easy. And she said she did it during her normal fasting window.
0: Oh yeah. She just did what I said during the normal fasting window. I think if you do it per the protocol, good things will probably happen.
2: I do still worry about the, you know, fasting and immunity right now. I don't know. Long fasting. That's the only thing that makes me a little nervous to recommend. Yeah, same. So, Amy, I don't know if we were any help
0: at all. I think we were. Okay, good. I mean, we pretty much answered every single question she asked. We did. We, we talked about them. We talked about every question she asked. Oh, slowing the metabolism. I think it would be adequate free feeding. I would not be worried about it. Hi friends, I'm about to tell you how to get an exclusive discount on one of my favorite products for truly upgrading your health on a cellular level. So the new year is upon us and it's often a time where people are really trying to instill new habits and really upgrade their health. There's something I have been using for years, not just at the new year, literally every single day of my life. I am not making that up. Even when I travel, I have a way to address it then, which I will tell you about And it's something that is so easy and feels amazing. That is red light and near-infrared therapy. Okay, so friends, you could go somewhere and pay a lot of money to do red light near-infrared therapy sessions, or you could just bring it to your home and use it every single day. That's what I do. I've been using Juve red and near infrared light therapy devices for so long. There are so many clinically proven benefits of red light therapy that includes improving your skin. Yes, you really will notice it faster muscle recovery, reduced pain and inflammation, One of my good friends who is a doctor uses these devices on his, shall we say, manhood for benefits there. Yes, it can help in that department as well. I honestly could not imagine my life without Juve. You will just feel so good using these devices. People also post all the time in our Facebook group of their pets gravitating towards the Juve because intuitively they just know that it's good for them. The reason Juve can address so many things related to health is because it actually affects our cells on the mitochondrial level. Basically, it makes those cells perform better. And when those cells are performing better, everything just works better. That's why, yes, Juve can help with your energy as well. I've been recommending Juve specifically for years because the quality of their devices To get an exclusive discount on your order, pick up Juve today. Some exclusions apply. I really hope you guys can experience Juve. It really is one of my favorite things. And we'll put all this information in the show notes. All right, now back to the show. So our next question comes from Jennifer. The subject is IFN and menopause, and Jennifer says, "I recently came across your podcast and am completely obsessed." I learn an incredible amount from each show and appreciate how approachable you both are and how approachable you make IF. Until the last year, I've always been able to rely on running, yoga, and a reasonably good diet to keep me fit and thin. This year, I turned 51 and everything has started to change. I haven't gotten my period in seven months, so I'm definitely on my way through menopause. In that time, I've gained five pounds despite not making changes to my diet or exercise. In response, I've cut out gluten and I'm eating virtually no processed food. The only thing I eat out of a bag is popcorners, which I can't seem to live without, but at least they only have three ingredients. I've started working out with a personal trainer once a week, but the scale won't budge and my clothes are just as tight. I started IF two weeks ago and I'm loving it and listening to your podcast daily. I really like not having to think about what I'm eating for the vast majority of the day, but I thought that one of the benefits of IF was that I wouldn't be hungry. I'm hungry a lot. I'm doing a 19 or 20 hour fast with a four or five eating window daily, usually two to 7 PM. Usually I wake up hungry and have periods of incredible hunger on and off until the eating window. Am I doing something wrong or does it just take a while for the no hunger thing to kick in? Thanks so much for being fantastic teachers and my daily inspiration for this new lifestyle, Jennifer. All right, Jennifer.
2: Well, the answer is yes. You just started two weeks ago. And so it does take a while for the no hunger thing to kick in. And whether anyone that had written this, no matter what is going on prior to starting, if you started intermittent fasting two weeks ago and you're still hungry, completely normal. That's why I have the 28 day fast start in fast, feast, repeat. And what I want you to do is recognize that the adjustment period is really the time to nail the clean fast, let your body adjust, take it slow, and realize you're not going to feel your best until your body becomes adapted to running on fat for fuel during the fast. Then you'll feel better. Like I feel great right this minute, and I am at our, gosh, I'm not even sure, 20, 21, somewhere in there of my fast. And, you know, you still have periods of mild waves of hunger that come and go during the day. So I want to constantly reiterate that. You know, people will always have a mild wave of hunger, even if you've been fasting as long as Melanie and I have. But it it fades quickly. It's easy to ignore. It's easy to go about your day. So... Yep, totally normal. Now let's talk about menopause. <laughs> you know, you sound a lot like me. I just turned fifty-one. Things are starting to change. You said it's been seven months for you. I just looked at my my app that I've been using since two thousand and twelve to track things. I'm currently on day three oh six. So I am really almost over the line. You know how to, to measure menopause, Melanie? I do not. See, you're you're not there yet. You're you got so many decades to go. When you've made it a full year without your period, you can say you're officially menopausal. So I'm on day three oh six. So I'm I'm almost there. The average age is right right where we are. So Jennifer, it is definitely a time of changes in your body. You know, you said you've gained five pounds despite making no changes. With diet and exercise, that is so typical and so normal. And it's our bodies changing, you know, what's happening hormonally. I have a a friend. She's actually a a real-life friend. We met through intermittent fasting, but she's been to my house. I've been to her house. She lives in Portland, Oregon. So we are officially real-life friends now. But Lori Lewis, she was on Intermittent Fasting Stories, and she talks about how she was very, very healthy all of her life and a vegetarian and was maintaining a low weight. Then she went through menopause and all of a sudden gained 50 pounds and could not get it off. And thanks to intermittent fasting, she was able to correct all of that. You know, she's now postmenopausal, healthy, back to her old healthy self. But she has a book that you can buy called Celebrating Your Vibrant Future, Intermittent Fasting for Women 44 to Forever. And it walks you through... You know, the hormonal transitions that you're going through with menopause. So I would really recommend getting Lori Lewis's book, Celebrating Your Vibrant Future for Women 44 to Forever, and seeing if that can help you. It's got a workbook style format, and it can really kind of walk you through what you're going through. But again, hungry, you're new to IF, be patient with that. That's normal. I think that was a great resource. I
0: think Jen answered it wonderfully. I just have one tiny little thing I wanted to point out. <laughs> uh, I'm going to, again, reference, like I said, I'm still reading it, but Kate Shanahan's book, The Fat Burn Fix, incredible. And it really, really describes this thing that Jennifer's experiencing of, you know, she has these periods of incredible hunger. And we talked about this last week and, you know, those those periods of hunger, it's because your body is in Literally in a fuel state emergency because it perceives not being able to attain any energy. And so the response is incredible hunger, even though you likely have ample, you know, fat stores to provide energy. It's just not able to tap into them. I
2: just want to point out that because you're not adjusted yet, it's not like forever.
0: Right. Exactly. Talking about popcorners. So she says that, you know, they only have three ingredients. So I looked up the ingredients. I'm not saying this is the reason that you're not losing weight. I just think this is so interesting because, in my opinion, if you wanted to create a food that would tell your body to store fat, to gain fat, and make it hard to lose fat, it would be having a refined vegetable oil with sugar. That's like ticket to store fat and actually make it really hard to lose the fat, which Kate Shanahan talks in her book, The Cellular Mechanisms of How Vegetable Oils Do That. So popcorners are, they're made of corn, sunflower oil, sugar, also starch and salt, which added in for palatability. Basically... (laughs) If there's one food that, you know, it's probably going to make you hungrier because a food like that is probably not going to help your use of food as fuel because basically those types of foods, these hyper palatable processed foods made of refined vegetable oils and sugar, they send signals to our body to store fat, to save it, and and they're inflammatory to burn. So vegetable oils are very inflammatory when we burn them. She points out something really interesting. So, like, you know, the whole low-carb world will say that, you know, when the diet heart hypothesis and the American Heart Association and the government started prescribing, you know, low-fat diets. And, you know, that's when we started getting weight problems because we started eating more carbs. Like, you know how there's this whole, like, narrative, the low-carb narrative that carbs are the reason that we started gaining weight? Yeah. Something that Kate Shanahan points out, and I keep hearing more, and I keep really starting to think is the case, is when that happened historically and we were told to go low-fat, And then, you know, the low carb community often says, we started eating more carbs and that created all this weight gain. Actually, our fat intake didn't really change. I think she said it was, we went from eating around like, it was like 70 or 80 grams per day. That number didn't change. We just dropped saturated fat. We started eating more polyunsaturated vegetable oils. And then carb intakes, I don't know if they like necessarily you know, it's the, basically it's the type of fat that changed. I'm just having this like huge epiphany. Like maybe, maybe the thing all along wasn't carbs. It wasn't, you know, saturated fat. It was vegetable oils, refined vegetable oils and fake food. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But as far as like the cellular like mechanism, I'm just step away, step away, friends from the canola oil, the sunflower oil, the sesame oil, the safflower oil. When you go to restaurants, see if they can cook it in, you know, olive oil or something else like that. I'm just so passionate about it because I, I think it's huge. And I think people don't quite realize. But I think for this question, Jen, much better answered it. I just wanted to talk about the ingredients in popcorners.
2: <laughs> so now I'm craving popcorners. Is that
0: wrong? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's what they do. They're made to make you crave them. Even trace, trace amounts. They build up on our cells because they're not used as fuel. They change the ratio of our cells and they change what our cellular membranes are created out of and then our fat cells become less likely to be able to burn fat like release their fat. It's like they gunk up the works. Yeah. It, it's awful. And it takes, it takes forever to get them out. That's why people go on like quote, poofa depletion diets. That's what the rape pe- people are all about because the half-life of these, I think is three months. So like three months, it takes 90 days when you have like a drop of sunflower oil, it takes 90 days for half of that to leave your body. So think about if you've been having it for like years. <laughs>
2: Yeah, and again, this points to how very complicated everything is and why we can't just say, do this, it'll all be perfectly fine because there's so many factors, so many things going on in your body that could be throwing in that wrench.
0: Yeah, that's why it's so nice with intermittent fasting that with, I think, very, very rare exceptions, we can pretty much most people stand to benefit from a daily intermittent fast, you know? With very, very few exceptions.
2: But that doesn't mean there won't still be things you have to dig into to figure out other other things that could be holding you back. It's it's not just here's the fast, do this, it'll all magically I wish. Yeah, 100 percent Like it's like
0: a it's like a really nice beneficial thing, but the hormones, the foods you're eating or the skincare and makeup that you're putting on, as we talk about a lot, those are often really, really high in obesogens. That's only I mean, it's really worth, we didn't even talk about the endocrine disruptors in this episode yet, but our modern environment is filled, filled, filled with, think about it, things we weren't exposed to historically. We, we basically put, we are putting compounds through our food and our skincare and makeup into our body, which they serve as signaling molecules and mechanisms that literally tell our cells to store fat. They're called obesogens. And most conventional skincare makeup is actually very full of that. So if you're putting on lotion, on your fat every day, and it has these obesogenic compounds, you're basically (laughs) your poor little fat cells. You're telling them on the one hand to to gain fat and store fat. And then we're trying to burn the fat at the same time. That's talking about mixed signals. So that's why Jen and I both love Beauty Counter, their makeup and their skincare, completely free of endocrine disruptors. It was founded on a mission for that. And our link for that is melanieavalon.com slash beauty counter. Awesome. Yeah. I love the shampoo. You,
2: you use the shampoo. You use all of it, right?
0: Okay. So this is crazy. So we probably talked about this before. You like oranges, right? I do like oranges. Of course you do. Cause I hate oranges. <laughs> they give me like instant headache. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I love oranges. Oh, see, it's so funny. Like when I think, when I think orange, I'm
2: like, Oh, <laughs> like,
0: oh it's funny. In any case, the the shampoo and conditioner has a very citrusy s- scent.
2: Ah, okay. So that bothers you.
0: So it does. So I tried it once and I was like, orange? Nope. But it made my hair feel so amazing <laughs> that I was like, maybe I'd keep using it. I started using it again. It actually, it doesn't bother me. I'm wondering if it's maybe if I just actually eat oranges, but it makes my hair. It's amazing. It makes my hair so nice.
2: So do you like it? I do. I do. It took a few days for my hair to adjust. And it was weird for a few days, but then, and now I love it. Yeah, I love it too. I had been using something called free and clear, which is like
0: the shampoo and conditioner that all the really sensitive butterflies in the world. They know about it. If you know about free and clear, you know what I'm, you know what I'm saying, but I actually switched. I switched. So this was great. The show notes for today's episode will be at ifpodcast.com slash episode 174. If you'd like to submit your own questions for the show, you can directly email questions at ifpodcast.com or you can go to ifpodcast.com and you can submit questions there. You can join my Facebook groups. One is IF Biohackers. The other is Lumen Lovers. And you can follow us on Instagram. We are IF Podcast. I'm Melanie Avalon. Jen is Jen Stevens. And you can follow
2: us on Twitter. We are the IF Pod. All right. Anything from you, Jen, before we go? Nope, not at all. I hope my rambling made some sense today. (laughs) I just felt very rambly. I don't know why. I thought your rambling was wonderful. Okay. Just one of those days. It has been a very intense day. Sundays are very big days in the Facebook groups because, you know, it's, I think on Saturday, people spend a lot of time, you know, having social things on Saturdays. And then on Sunday, and of course, you may have church on Sunday, maybe not, but then people are like, all right, I'm just going to go to Facebook. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Facebook volume picks up on Sunday for whatever reason. So
0: That's really true. Yeah, I noticed like the weekends in general, but Sundays,
2: yeah. I spend a lot of time. I work harder on Sunday than I do any other day. So maybe I'm just, you know, brain brain dead by now <laughs> by this part of the day on Sunday. I need to go veg out somewhere and just like relax. Maybe I need to go read a fiction book.
0: Yeah. Watch a movie. Yeah do some scrapbooking.
2: I don't scrapbook. Of course you don't.
0: I love scrapbooking. (laughs) All right. All right. Well, I will talk to you next week. All right. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Please remember that everything discussed on the show is not medical advice. We're not doctors. You can also check out our other podcasts, Intermittent Fasting Stories and the Melanie Avalon Biohacking Podcast. The music was composed
1: by Leland Cox. See you next week.